I'm Tim Burrows. In today's episode, we finally get to speak to the management of one of the more mysterious media launches of recent years, Disrupt Radio. As you'll hear, our guest is Rob Schwetz, who's in charge of advertising, marketing and media relations for Disrupt Radio. Now, we don't get answers to all of our questions, although, as you'll hear, I asked them, including who owns Disrupt, whether it will join the radio rating system or how long its commercial runway is. However, you will hear a commitment to a hefty audience reach number and details of a previously, I think, unknown connection to radio company SEN. I began by asking what listeners would hear when they tune in to Disrupt Radio? Great question, Tim. I'm really glad you asked that. Uh, Just to give you a bit of context, Disrupt Radio, this has been the result of almost five years of planning. And what we we really wanted to create at Disrupt was a sense of optimism, a sense of opportunity, really being able to actually counter, I think, a lot of the negativity that we're hearing in not just radio, but in uh, the news overall really wanted to create an opportunity for entrepreneurs to come together, for mavericks, for thought leaders to come together and really be able to provide an accessible community for like-minded people to create, to have conversations uh, and to engage with a lot of, I think, uh, emerging and interesting narratives that are coming up across the business community in Australia. So you're Disrupt Radio's Chief Commercial and Innovation Officer. What does that entail? From a commercial point of view, I think keeping my and Disrupt Radio finger on the pulse in terms of emerging trends, really being able to put the uh, listener at the centre of the content that we're actually developing, working hand-in-hand with um, our uh, content teams as well. But then also, I think, ensuring that the environment that we're creating from an audio point of view is creating a contextually relevant audience environment for advertisers. I think, you know, having worked in the ad industry and media and publishing in Australia for the last uh, 20 years, it's always been a struggle for um, businesses and brands to connect with um, B2B audiences, particularly entrepreneurs, small business And when you think that entrepreneurs are actually Australia's backbone, I mean, 56% of the GDP, or sorry, of the jobs created in Australia are actually through the entrepreneurial mindset. They're a vast and influential force in this country, but then reaching them, I think, is a bit of a challenge as well. And for Disrupt, you're, to be clear, you're in charge of the marketing, the advertising and media relations. To be clear, here, Tim, in a startup environment, <laughs> there is a bit of a merger of roles and responsibilities. So Benjamin Roberts, who is the, the founder, is also responsible for, for marketing, for certain commercial aspects. Uh, you know, it's a team of around 20 that are actually based in um, Melbourne, Perth and, and Sydney. So, you know, at the startup phase, there is, is a bit of a, a cross-section of functions functions and responsibilities and and roles but that will actually start to shape over the next six to 12 months as well and you've been working you mentioned benjamin roberts you've been working alongside him for the last five years on this project um does that make you a co-founder 
Benjamin is really the, I would say, an, an enabler of the founder, to be a bit uh, more specific. I think, you know, from my perspective, this is really um, Benjamin's execution of his vision, uh, execution of, you know, five years of, of planning, of, of getting this right, and then being able to you know, work alongside him to help him execute on the vision as well. So definitely Benjamin is the founder and myself, along with a, a team of others, uh, very um, positive and, and strong enablers. Well, let's, um, let's dig into the, the product a bit, I suppose. Um, can you help me understand the business model of Disrupt? How, how does it compare and how does it differ to traditional radio? I think from the outset, we were always keen on um, creating a contextually relevant environment. Um, I mean, if we look at the talent that um, Benjamin and the team have actually pulled together as well, um, it's been a, you know, quite significant process to pull talent together. But from a, a product and talent point of view, it really is reflective of contemporary entrepreneurial Australian audiences. We have everyone from, you know, uh, Moana Hope, who leads Entrepreneur Her, to Libby Gore, who's leading our Enterprise Breakfast. So I think if we look at the combination of that contextually relevant environment that really does bring together those mavericks, the entrepreneurs, those from the startup community, combined with, you know, really quite exceptional talent from um, George McEncroe to Jules Lund, uh, and like I said, like I mentioned, uh, Libby Gorin want to hope uh, to the quality content that they're actually delivering as well. You know, it's really that that fry factor of you know exceptional um, uh, contextual relevance, uh, right time, right place, right channel. Uh, you know, that's really I think what we were trying to uh, aim for and and hopefully achieve through Disrupt. And what is the business model? How are you going to make money? The business model is really just a traditional sort of advertising sponsorship model uh, to begin with. We've had tremendous support from advertisers and from the from the business community, uh, and uh, are continuing to actually see that support in terms of the advertising and sponsorship revenue coming through. Um, and again, like I mentioned earlier, we're very much in, in startup mode. Uh, we're working very much from a stealth perspective for the last five years. I uh, had very early stage initial conversations with both um, media agencies and with um, uh, some brand owners as well. Received some very positive feedback in terms of being able to actually generate advertising dollars from the get-go and um, have seen that actually um, come to fruition quite, quite successfully as well. Uh, that's not to say that business model won't evolve over a period of time when you're looking at um, other avenues of, of monetization of content. Uh, but for the current uh, current time, we're looking at a sort of you know traditional sponsorship and advertising model. And who leads that sales team for you? Is that is that coming uh, as part of your responsibility? That sits within my remit and within my my responsibility as well. And. Um... What are the obviously it's very early days, but you'll you'll have some indications by now, um, particularly on the streaming side of things. Um 
what are the numbers like so far? The numbers are very positive. Um, I wish I could be able to commit to numbers in a public forum, but at this point in time, I think we um, were very pleasantly surprised with what was coming through in the first week. Um, so can I tempt you to, to share some of those numbers? <laughs> Unfortunately, no. <laughs> but okay. Uh, well, I, I guess I'm sure the advertisers want to know the answer to the question. So well, um, why, why can't you say? I think at this stage we're looking at, um, you know, having launched on the 26th, 26th of June, we're looking at 14 days of data. So I think that would be um, both unfair and unrealistic to provide uh, any type of specifics. But I think, you know, seeing how it was trending or it has been trending over the last 14 days, um, we're very confident and very, very, um, very, very confident in terms of what we're aiming for in terms of overall audience numbers towards the end of a 12-month period. So really... What what are you aiming for? Uh, between two fifty and 300,000 over... Uh, at the at the end of twelve months. So that's that, and, and let's be clear. So that's two hundred and fifty thousand across twelve months, or um, a, a cum or a weekly cumulative number to use the kind of radio terminology. Um, more of a weekly cum audience. So you're aiming for a weekly cum audience, national weekly cum audience of two hundred and fifty three hundred thousand, um, which. It's not not insignificant, I suppose. Not not insignificant, but if we look at sort of recent DAB data that's actually come out, there's a report that's been recently published, I think, at the end of June, where um, in 2023, DAB listening soared to 7 million people a week, or 32% of people aged 12 plus, and that's up from 18% last year and 10% in, in 2020. And even if we look at the numbers across key markets where we've launched, which would be Sydney, Melbourne, and Brisbane, we're looking at you know Sydney 1.16 DAB listeners 1.16 million, uh, Melbourne just over a million, and then Brisbane just over half a million, or just sitting at 561. So for looking at those both um, uh, aggregated audiences across those three markets, any additional streaming audiences? Well, let me stop you just on that point, Rob, because of course the, we talk about the infinite dial as the data which, although it calls it DAB, that includes streaming, listening to the so-called DAB stations. So I think it would be double counting to then count streaming on top of that because it does already include that number, I think. No, that's fair enough. We would actually then include that. And that's sort of, I think, the outcome of recent uh, changes in terms of how GFK is actually measuring that data as well. So I think that's, you know, the... The first survey that's come out, I think, in the last uh, few weeks that actually looks at that overall uh, listening number um, and then being able to actually then extra extrapolate the, the streaming and the uh, more um, granular listening numbers as well. And um, have you joined the radio rating system? Um, not at this point, but that's not to say that won't be in, in, in the horizon. Like I mentioned earlier, Tim, we're pretty much in startup mode. <laughs> yes. Have you have you made the decision about whether you will or won't join yet, though? That's in discussions at this point in time. Right. Okay. What are you weighing up on that? Because I I just wonder what the downside of joining would be. <laughs> right now, it's it's a, a timing and a resource issue. Um, so you know, it's just you know looking at what our priorities and commitments are for the next um, three to six months, 
um, definitely within uh, that list. And it's just a matter of being able to, um, you know, uh, prioritize and get through the, the laundry list of 95 things to do when uh, 94 of them are priority number one. And I guess this is a probably I suspect the answer might be similar. Do you do you have thoughts on whether you are interested in or will join Commercial Radio Australia? The, oh, sorry, no, it's, it's changed its name as it um, Commercial Radio and Audio, the industry body. <laughs> uh, for that question, I may, may default to to Benjamin. And uh, again, when uh, we were initially launching and looking at. Um, you know, industry bodies that and group participate in, that's definitely on, on the list of, of our priorities and that will fall within the next, you know, uh, one or two quarters as well. And I should know this answer, but I think I'm only about 80% certain. Am I right in saying it's Sydney and Melbourne that you have the DAB Plus licenses? Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane. And do you have thoughts about adding Perth and Adelaide, for instance, to that? The opportunity is there for adding those two markets as well. Um, we really wanted to launch and get it right in Sydney, Melbourne, and Brisbane. And um, then again, look at the commercial opportunities and the audience opportunities in those two markets in the next 12 months. And where did you get the licenses from? Because presumably you have to sort of, I don't know how it works, but sublease them from someone else. Um, so that would be in an arrangement with SCN, Sports Entertainment Network. Um, and then actually our offices are actually based in that in the same building as SCN in Melbourne as well. So we share quite a close um, commercial and working relationship with the, with the network. Ah, right. I hadn't realised that. So are SCN or Craig Hutchinson, are they investors in Disrupt Radio then? Yeah. Uh, I'm not across the full investor um, portfolio at this point in time. You've been you've been working with the organisation for five years, though. You must have a bit of an idea. <laughs> sure, question. And uh, and what's the answer? <laughs> um, to be to be quite honest, I'm actually not across the entire um, investor portfolio, so that's uh, something I can't make a comment on. Are, are you an investor? No, I'm not. Okay. Um, yeah, I suppose that's one of the things I have been curious on is actually who who are the owners? What can you say? Um, what can I say? I think when it comes down to um, the owners and uh, let's let's call them the shareholders as well. Um, there's quite a you know significant group of individuals who have chosen to invest in in disrupt. Um, and you know that process did take a significant amount of of time to bring this uh, together. I think when there was a point in time to actually go out and, and, and raise the capital as well, uh, you know, uh, a little uh, you know a startup radio station, a DAB station, found it quite difficult to actually compete with the unicorns of, of tech companies that were out there as well. Um, so we have a fairly significant and confident uh, group um, in terms of that investor pool as well. And and what's, what sort of people, because I, I, I presume, for instance, on that one, if one went and looked at the uh, asset, you could, you could 
could see who the, the 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 shareholders listed are. What what can you can you tell us some of those names? To be quite frank, uh, Tim, I'm not across those names. My focus has been go out, generate revenue, create awareness of disrupt. Um, you know, build relationships with brands and and, and marketers as well, and uh, you know, leaving the investor relation uh, component to to Benjamin. All uh, and it's probably worth saying for the record that we did ask and and we were initially told yes, but then told that he was too busy. That we 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 did ask Benjamin Roberts to to kind of join us for the conversation. Um, what one question I did find myself wondering about was um, you obviously had uh, Bob Geldof out for a week for the launch week. I know he's been an investor in the past. In certainly in television startups, I know of. Is he an investor in the business? At this point, not that I'm aware of. I think from Bob's interest was really around the both the love of the medium um, and also the the love of entrepreneurship and and startups as well. Uh, and that um sort of guest appearance by sir bob was about 12 months in the planning and 12 months in, in the making as well his team turned up here and he turned up here incredibly well prepared and um, i think if anything that was a bit of a, a surprise but also intriguing launch platform for disrupt so we were very happy in terms of the uh interaction between um bob and libby for their uh breakfast show but then i think also the uh surprise and delight that Bob's provided to the, the larger media um, group as well. Yeah, I mean, I must admit it was intriguing to me because I, my first thought was, ah, okay, this will be one of those things where it's a few links pre-recorded from the U comfort or his home in the UK. But he obviously came out for it for the, for the week. And this is, you know, this is a busy, I presume, wealthy person. It feels to me, surely there must be, something more to him coming than his love of the medium tim there's nothing more to it than him coming tim, and, and loving the medium to be honest uh you know he does have quite significant personal ties to australia um he's visited many times on on on, on personal occasions um he did grumble a bit about turning up in melbourne in the middle of winter so he wasn't very pleased about that um but i think if anything it, it's you know you look at someone like sir bob and and look at his sort of entrepreneurial side as well. And um, he has crafted over a period of time quite um, significant business ventures and as an entrepreneur in his own right. So I think from his perspective, he was very happy to commit and make the time and, and support an entrepreneurial venture uh, down under as well. And is there an opportunity for um, Disrupt as a platform to become international? The format itself, if you had a chance to listen, I think is quite intriguing around, you know, the, the mix of entrepreneurial business content, um, uh, a, bit of, a bit of music popped in. Um, the format itself, I think, is quite transferable. Um, I think it would work in, in other markets as well beside, beside Australia. Um, but I think let's get, it, let's get it right here first and uh, really start to refine and uh, nail a concept here. Well, I suppose one of the reasons for asking that question was one, one, one of those people you talk about is um, uh, Rod Liddell, 
who is a far better known character in the UK than he is here in uh, Australia. So I suppose that was why I was sort of thinking, oh, that's interesting. Perhaps, you know, there, there, there's a nod towards an international audience with that. Um, how did the Rod Little involvement happen? Um, the Rod Little involvement, um, again, that would actually be something that would cross over with Benjamin as well. Uh, so, you know, over the last um, five years, I've been working as an entrepreneur in my own right and running a business in parallel to, um, you know, uh, contributing off and on with Disrupt as well. So in terms of some of the other, the other additional background information, um, that would be sort of, you know, sitting very much within Benjamin's domain, unfortunately. Yes. Again, for the record, we yes. <laughs> did invite Benjamin and we were told that he would, would, would be too busy to speak. Um, yeah, no, I... I, and, and Rod Liddell, I guess, best known as quite a right-wing commentator in uh, in the UK. He writes a regular column for the Sun newspaper, which is part of uh, News Corp. And also, I think, I'm not sure if he still does, but wrote for The Spectator as well. Um, is there is there any sort of News Corp involvement in, um, in the project? Um, not that I'm aware of at this point in time. Um, and as you can tell, I'm not, I'm not from the UK. I've spent, you know, the last 20 years in Australia. So uh, the Canadian-UK media landscape, there's not a significant amount of overlap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I um, I, I mean, I, I guess that's one of the things that fascinates me because he's, he's such a big name in the UK. I mean, I think he's a brilliant writer as well, by the way. So, um, and he was certainly, the, you know, he edited the, um, the Today Show for Radio 4 back in the day. So, you know, this is a... A significant name, and I've I've almost been quite surprised that you you haven't done more to promote him, given the fact that yeah he's such a I guess a a, a big name within the media scene internationally. I think with the media talent we've actually um, looked at, it's you know a real focus on Australian talent as well. You know the the you know the example I used earlier around you know Libby Gore and Jules Lund really, I think, almost reinvigorating and, and invigorating that talent as well. And the focus really is on um, Australian entrepreneurs, Australian mavericks, uh, Australian startups. So I think let's maintain that, that, that focus and ensure that the content is, is relevant for Australian audiences. Okay. Well, yeah, let's, uh, actually, that is interesting. Yeah, let's talk about the PR strategy. How would you sum up your sort of PR strategy for the launch, you know, getting the word out there? I think it's a little bit disruptive in its own way as well. I think um, if you're you know, talking to anybody in the media industry, it feels as though disrupts just sort of popped up out of nowhere um, over the last uh, three weeks. So it's been very much almost um, PR by stealth, uh, even though this has been a project that's been on the works for almost, you know, five years, it's been kept very discreet and very, very quiet um across uh the industry as well so i think you know to sum it up in three words it definitely would be pr by stealth um and then i think you know using talent like sir bob in terms of actually creating that disruptive uh environment i think even you know someone from radio today was quoted as saying that was a bit that was a bit of a surprise um but a pleasant surprise so i think that Hopefully, will be con the continuation of the feedback that we get from uh, audience, from uh, trade, and from from brand marketers as well as well around this being a, a pleasant surprise. Uh, but then also creating that uh, connection with audiences 
deliver high quality um, business content, entrepreneurial content, and and startup thinking. And now that you're out of stealth mode, um, how are you going to be marketing the network going forward? And I and I guess this one is in your wheelhouse. <laughs> how big is your marketing budget? <laughs> That's a very direct question, Tim. <laughs> um, we're very comfortable that um, going forward, there's significant traction from the investment that's already been made. Um, there'll be significant, I think, you know, in terms of awareness, particularly around audience and and trade as well, to continue to build and maintain that audience, uh, and you know, look at sort of disruptive marketing tactics to uh, continue building that audience as well. I think uh, it wouldn't be um, very disruptive of me to to uh, to um, uh, be too, too, too transparent about what's in the wheelhouse for the next three or six months. So I don't think, and this might just be I read the wrong titles, but I don't think I've actually seen any kind of consumer advertising yet have you have you actually done any any paid marketing so far has it all just been pr to date there's been quite a significant um out of home campaign as well um across sydney melbourne and brisbane there's also been uh quite significant media coverage um across um 10 and 9 uh other media channels have been incredibly supportive in terms of the launch of disrupt which is both um surprising but also you know Quite, um, quite pleasantly uh, surprised on, on our side as well. So I think when you look at sort of the consumer-facing side of things as well, I think Bob really gave us a bit of, of traction. I think also when we look at the talent that we've brought on, there is a almost a significant amount of of, of fans of the existing or significant amount of fans of the talent that we've brought on as well. Uh, you know, if you look at someone like like Libby Gore as well, she did build up quite a significant audience during her time. And uh, I think one of her statements in the in the aid when um, she announced she was uh, going back onto radio was that she wanted to reclaim her audience as well. So uh, very happy with I think the uh, launch to consumer, but also the launch to trade that's happened over the last few weeks as well. And uh, I wouldn't expect you to tell me the number, but for the the financial year we've just entered, do you know what your marketing budget is yet? That's a to be confirmed. Okay, let me ask it another way. Do you have a rough idea? No, not at this point. <laughs> okay. Um, tens of thousands hundreds of thousands of dollars in the millions what what are you what what are you i i, I guess part of that budgeting process as as the person leading the market is you have to make the case what what sort of case are you making well, i guess the case is again is going into um you know and again without repeating myself we are very much in, in startup mode uh, you know things, um, but 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 you've had five years in startup mode, so you you must have had a chance to give it a bit of thought, a little bit of thought. But I think you know, I think when we're looking at what we're generating from an advertising and advertiser point of view, uh, looking at what the audience numbers look will look like over the next six months as well, um, you know, things change on a on a weekly and a, and, a, and a monthly basis as well. So I think. Um, Working in that startup environment, there's a huge degree of 
fluidity, a huge amount of, of flexibility as well. So, you know, nothing is really set in stone, unfortunately. So you've um, you've obviously over the last five years had a bit of a chance to get to know um, Benjamin Roberts. How would you um, how would you describe him and his leadership style? In terms of his, his leadership style, and um, very, are you looking for three words or less? Two words or less? You can have as many words as you like. <laughs> um, incredibly empowering of the team around him. Um, he has built up, I think, quite a, a trustworthy team over a period of time. Um, he is also incredibly passionate about the medium uh, and uh, incredibly passionate about actually doing the right thing for Australian audiences um, through Disrupt Radio as well. So I think that... that, that, that I. I don't use the word passion very often. I actually sort of that's not one of my favorite, you know, top hundred words ever. Um, but this is a man who is actually incredibly passionate about doing the right thing for audiences and doing the right thing for uh, disrupt radio. I saw um, he did a LinkedIn post around the time of launch, um, and he I don't have it in front of me, but it, it, it may it, it kind of alluded to being told previously that he needed to simplify his CV, which I, 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 the way I read it was, I, th- I, I, I think he'd previously worked for what I guess would have been Fairfax radio. And then when the Macquarie media merger happened, I, th- I think he was potentially made, if I've worked outright redundant by 96 FM. Um, is there something about that? Do you think the fact that he referred to that in his LinkedIn profile that, that is driving him, is there a sort of, something to to prove to the industry do you think i don't think it's necessarily something to to prove to the industry but actually potentially a statement around um not following the flock um i think you know one of one of my favorite quotes that he was quoted in the media with the other day was you know audiences now have a choice about listening to friday drive around whether or not you wee or brush your teeth in the shower or listening to intelligent business content. And uh, I think that was really the primary driver for him was to really create a platform and, and create a channel where there was, um, you know, business, intelligent business talk um, that really, I think, reflects where audiences are at the moment and where they want to be in terms of those conversations that they want to have. Someone, I, I was asking somebody about him and they described him to me as um, he thinks he's the smartest person in the room and he doesn't try to hide it. Is is that a fair description, do you think? I'd like to know who said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, if uh, if I were to tell you that, then any t- time you told me something in confidence, you... You 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 wouldn't be confident that I, would go, I was going to keep it that way. Um, let me just say that that statement will either prove or disprove itself in the next twelve to eighteen months. Fair enough. Um, uh, why why isn't Benjamin actually given that he's had five years to get ready? Normally, when something like this launches, the CEO is everywhere. Um, and I've not, heard, you know, obviously, yeah, he's done some posts, obviously been quoted in newspapers, but he's not been as high profile as I would have expected. What? Why has that been? I, I guess why? Why do you expect 
a CEO to, to be high profile. I think, you know, let's put the audience at the center of what we're actually doing. Let's put the the talent and the content at the center of what we're doing. And that's really, I think, the uh, the star of the show. Um, you know, it is creating that connection with the audiences through smart conversation and intelligent conversation, providing that environment for for mavericks and, and startups and entrepreneurs to actually play. Um, and I think that should really be the, the focus of, uh, of the conversation. I, um, a question that I'm sure, um, Jules Lund will ask many, a um, startup person or entrepreneur on his show. Um, how long is your runway? Our runway is significant enough to, um, ensure that the proposition of what we're actually providing to the audience is going to be delivered on. Which is months, years? (laughs) We're fine, Tim. Thanks for asking. (laughs) We're good for a while. So yeah, so you 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 mentioned that you 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 have a staff of about twenty or so. So that that I guess is not insignificant. It means you, you're going to have running costs in the uh, in the low millions, presumably. Um, or annualized. Yes, and um, do you? I, I, I'm presuming you, you're, despite the fact that you've had some advertising support, I'm assuming you're not expecting to be profitable right out of the gate. Um, I think when we actually look at what we built as a projection and, and, and business case as well, I think we're, we're, um, we're fairly comfortable for a, for a significant period of time. Which maybe doesn't quite answer my question, but I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that um, you're, you're not yet profitable. After after fourteen days, <laughs> yes, exactly. That I can confidently say, no, not after fourteen days, Tim. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> no, fair enough. Well, um, a question we ask all of our uh, guests: um, What would your supporters say about you, and what would your critics say about you? Um, thank you for asking. I'm I'm going to sort of uh, deflect to what's been said in the media, which has been quite interesting. So. The media has come back, and it's been primarily trade press where they've said, we're pleasantly surprised. Um, I think there's been the positivity around the launch of Disrupt, which has been very much around um, a bit of a bit of cynicism, uh, a little bit of, mm, maybe these guys are just kind of shooting from the hip, so it's actually quite nice to get that, that feedback. Um the critics are saying they're going to give us six months. So nice to have the two extremes. We we, we love the critics. I think one of the uh, the radio um, uh, one of the radio stations actually did a bit of a piss take promo on on disrupt, which we absolutely loved and embraced because we kind of thought you know the more that other radio stations are promoting us, the the, the better it is for for disrupt radio. So I think um, again we're we're confident. Um, but not overly confident to the point of being of being uh, cocky, but again, it's around putting the, the audience in the center of what we do and, and creating that um, aspirational and inspirational content, which um, I think audiences are, are, are really craving right now. Well, Rob, um, the best of luck, and thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Tim, and enjoy your afternoon. 
That was Disrupt Radio's Chief Commercial and Innovation Officer, Rob Schwetz. Unmade's invitation remains open to Benjamin Roberts to talk to us, if he can answer any of the questions that his colleague was unable to. Benjamin, you've got my details. Today's podcast was edited by Abe's Audio. Unmade. Podcast edit by Abe's Audio.